there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Take Off with John Clark. And we've got a special guest. I'm John Clark. This is John Crook. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, we shouldn't get confused, should we? No, but I tell you, I was the uh, benefit of some good fortune one time when Larry Bowe was the manager. I don't know if I ever told you, but uh, they had just gotten swept. They were coming back home for the last weekend at the vet. And I asked Lee Tobin, who was the PR person at the time, any chance Larry would do a live shot at like five o'clock on the news before they closed down the vet? She's like, well, I don't think so. He's not in a good mood. I'll go ask him. She comes back and says, he said, yes, I can't believe it. So Larry Bowe comes out of the dugout. He's like, well, where is John Crook? Oh. So he thought he was coming oh. out to do an interview with you, and he goes, oh, John Clark, never mind. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's probably not a good guy to talk to after getting swept. <laughs> so he managed me in San Diego. We got swept a lot. So it was interesting meetings after games. He took losses hard. Yeah, it wasn't his favorite thing, that's for sure. But, yeah. uh, he, he, you know, his passion for the game, though, and his knowledge of the game was – I I don't I'm not sitting here now with it wasn't for him. He really – helped me progress as a player, thinking through the games and taught me about situational hitting and the whole deal. So, uh, And he gave me a chance to play when he was managing out there when uh, the, the GM didn't want no part of that. Wow. Uh, that's right. He don't like me, I don't like him. <laughs> well, it worked out and uh, had a great playing career here in Philadelphia, doing a great job as a Phillies analyst. Good to have you back in the booth. How you feeling? I, I better, better. I had my gallbladder removed a couple weeks ago, so that really took out some pain, but you know, with one issue being solved, others show up. So I'm probably going to have to get my hip replaced sometime soon. Hopefully I can wait till October. Uh, that way I can recover and watch the Phillies in the playoffs. So you think they're going to the playoffs? You know what? I, I think they're different now. It, it, they're different. It, it's I don't know what was going on the first couple months of the season. And, and I'm not, you know, I, I think they had a come to Jesus moment when Joe got fired. You know, because you have to look in the mirror. And I heard Nick Castellano say, perfect. He said, I feel responsible for a man losing his job. And it's unacceptable. And, and you know, when this happened, because I've played, you know, I had how many? Bowl got fired. Nick Leva got fired when I was here. Uh, when I went to the White Sox, uh, uh, who, who was our manager then? Gene, Gene, uh, Gene Lamont got fired. Oh, yeah. So, uh and you do feel responsible. You do feel like, it's, you know, if you look in the mirror, you know, you can't say, well, I was doing good and the rest of the guys, they're, they're, it's their fault. It's everyone's fault. Yeah, yeah it's interesting because uh, down the shore and everywhere you go, people are saying, boy, I guess they didn't like playing for Girardi. I mean, do you think that's it or do you think it's more of the shock and say, okay, we got to get going? I, I, like I said, I think it's that, you know, you know, everything was going the way it's way, you know, it goes. You know, they weren't playing well. Uh, and I don't think it was – you know, they, they didn't like Joe. I just think it was, uh, you know, they were playing bad. And, and uh, you know, John Middleton and Dave Dombrowski and Sam Fold decided, you know what, we need to make a change and try to shake this thing up. Because, look, this team was built to be in the postseason this year. And you can't wait around. When, once you start going south, man, you, you know, as far as a season goes, if you want to save the season, you can't wait around. You're not going to get rid of the players. I'm sure there's a, you know, a lot of times when I was playing, they'd like to get rid of a lot of the players, but you, you know, that, the, and the managers is the guy that usually goes. And it's sad that, that it, it is that way, but that, that's, that's the way it's been forever. The one thing I have heard from the guys and Rob Thompson and everybody else is that there's more talking now. There's more communication and maybe Joe's a good man. Joe Girardi's a good man, but maybe he didn't develop those personal relationships and the connection. Just hearing some of that, do you think in today's game you have to have that and the chemistry with the team? I think for a manager it's the most important thing, to be open and honest with your players but communicate with them, let them know what you're thinking. You know, I, I hear stuff like like I, I know when I played, you know, if for some reason I was struggling, I wasn't in the lineup, they didn't ask me, you know, hey, what do you think about today? You know, I, And look, I, I wish they would have. 
But, you know, when, when uh, yesterday when they asked Castellanos yeah. about, you know, thinking about sitting you, uh, you know, they, they were open with him and honest with him. And that's the way it has to be now. These players, they want that open dialogue. They want communication. Uh, they want to know, uh, you know, what you think if they're doing good or they're doing bad. Like, you know, but it don't take a genius to figure out if you're doing bad. Sometimes it's difficult to realize if you're doing good or not because you don't know if it's going to stay. But, uh, you know, it, I, and I think Rob has, has learned over the years how important the communication is. And, uh, you know, you look what happened with the Braves when Brian Snitker took over. A lot of those Braves players told me, you know, he, he just communicated. He was with us. He, he was, uh, you know, one of us. He came in and he asked us questions. He wanted to get our input on different things. And, uh, you know, before it was like, if you don't like the way I manage, tough crap you know go somewhere else we'll get rid of you but now it's uh you know you have to and i'm not saying cater to the players john but uh you know you have to be open and honest with them because you know what were we going to do you know uh, we full of crap but you know these guys now you know they they they, they want to know they want to know how the manager is feeling about them and about the team and I think uh, Rob Thompson is a, is a really good communicator that way. And how big of a deal do you think it is? It seems like he's kind of going with a set lineup. Yeah. Where he's got especially the top of the order and then the bullpen rolls. Is that something with guys? I know, look, Joe, in his defense, Kyle Schwarber was not hitting yeah. early on, so he had to take him out of the leadoff yeah. spot. Center fielders weren't doing nothing. Yes. Leadoff hitter wasn't doing nothing. And it's tough to score runs that way. You know, when you have, uh, you know, three or four guys that are you're counting on that are struggling, it's, it's going to be tough to, to score runs and win games. Uh, but I do like a set line. Like I, I, I said it on the air, there was nothing like knowing that when I got my car at the house to drive to the ballpark, I knew I was playing. I didn't have to look at the board when I got in and go over there and scan and say, oh, am I playing or not? I knew I was playing. And, you know, when I first started, I did, never knew. So I always had to look at the board when I got in. But, uh, you know, with uh, – with, with going with more set lineup, these guys know now when they walk in the door, now there might be changes with the lefty pitcher, righty pitcher, whatever, like last night, uh, you know, with Veerling playing third base. But uh, these players want to know that, and they want they want to know. And, and I always loved – I knew, you know, after I got here and I started swinging the bat real well, I knew I was going to hit third every day. And I didn't have to worry about, you know, God, am I hitting sixth today? Am I hitting seventh? Am I hitting whatever? And – just that confidence that uh, Jim Fergosi had in me, Larry Boa, John Vukovic, all those guys, uh, you know, it, it, like lefty-righty, uh, you know, I never had to look. If it was a lefty pitch, oh, well, I wonder if he's going to play me. And the good thing with uh, Jimmy Fergosi was because of my knees and playing on this, you know, that great AstroTurf that we had at the vet, you know, I got a lot of day games off, day game after night game. And, and Jimmy would tell me, uh, you know, probably Thursday, maybe even Friday, you know, do you want the Saturday night game or do you want the Sunday day game? You pick because you're getting one of them off. And that meant the world to me that he thought enough for me to ask me what I felt. And, of course, my answer was always, I'll play both. And he said, no, dummy. You know, that wasn't the question. The question <laughs> is, which one do you want to play, not how many do you want to play? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and it got Ricky Jordan some at bats, and Ricky came up with some big hits in those games. Yeah, and it's interesting with the, the firing of Joe – the Phillies had the third toughest schedule. They were playing really good teams. Now for the rest of the way, they apparently have one of the easier schedules, first or second uh, in line. And then I think as soon as Joe is fired, it's like Kyle Schwarber hits June yeah. and he gets going. It's amazing in his career. Yeah. This is the month where he starts going. How big has that been in the leadoff spot? It's, it's, it's uh, you know, when you can get one run quick, you know, maybe first pitch a game and you're up one nothing. Uh, you know, that's a beautiful thing. But, you know, Kyle uh, – you could tell, you know, he hit that home run his first at bat, and you thought, oh, boy, you know, this might be a good fast start for him instead of a slow one. And then it just didn't develop for him. The good thing about him is you never heard him complain. You never heard him, you know, some guys say, oh, hey, you know, my wrist has been bothering me, my elbow, my shoulder, and my swing. And it, never, never want an excuse from him. And, and I think, you know, you don't hear excuses from – we don't hear excuses really from any of them, but the two new guys, Nick yeah. and, and, and Kyle – uh, you know, when they signed those guys, I thought to myself, these two guys are going to fit in to Philadelphia incredibly well. You know, they, they both play hard. They both uh, want to post up every day. And, uh, you know, I think they, they really do buy into the Phillies and the fans. And, and uh, you know, that's the toughest thing when you're bringing in a player to, you know, Philly, New York, Boston, you know, anywhere on the East Coast. 
can they play in this city? We've I've seen guys like Andy Ashby. I love Andy. Andy struggled here pitching. He goes to San Diego, and he was in the Cy Young run, running one year. Uh, you know, it, it, it just one of those things that, like, you know, the pressure here is so much greater, I think, than the pressure elsewhere. Just because you don't want to screw up, because you know if you screw up, they're going to let you know. Especially, and, especially, you know, when you have these guys coming here like Castellanos and Schwarber who are getting big money. Yep. They've got one of the top payrolls in baseball. How tough is it coming to a new team with those expectations? Because I remember Jim Tomei saying that, especially if you're changing leagues, just just getting used to your new surroundings. Yeah, and that, that's a hard thing, too, because, you know, spring training was later. Uh, you know, they, they had a shortened spring training. Uh, you know, the hardest thing is when you go to a new team, you know, where are you going to live? You know, you know, who's going to get my house? You know, how, you know, my wife and kids going to like it there. That's a, that's a difficult thing. You know, you don't know that. But I think both families have really bought into what Philadelphia is about. But, uh, you know, just just to come to a new team, a new environment. Uh, you know, Kyle played in Washington, uh, uh, you know, so he and, and Chicago, and Chicago yeah. Chicago's, you know, could be that way, too. But. Uh, the Midwest is a little more laid back than, you know, here. But, uh, you know, I'm sure, I don't care how long you played, how much pressure. When you go to a new team, it starts all over. And, you you know, you, you want to appease these fans. You want to get off to that good start. You want them to think that I am worth what they're paying me. And then when you get off to a slow start and start struggling, now it's like, oh, God. But, we, you know, with Kyle especially, Nick's going to figure it out. He his he he was he looked really good yesterday. His two swings he had pinch hitting. He looked like he freed himself up just by sitting and watching seven or eight innings. And I hope that's the case because he could be a devastating run producer for this team. But I, I think Kyle, you know, he just, uh, you know, he got off to that slow start, but he never panicked. And you know, then he moved in and out. You know, six batting six, batting seven, batting back to first, third, you know, whatever. But uh, I think he knew. You know, look, if, if uh, you know, if we can get on a roll somehow, I know June, I'm going to help this team. And, and, you know, that's just in his mindset right now. When it hits June, he's a player. Yeah. And, you know, there could, is there a coincidence that, you know, come near the end of, end of May that Joe got fired and knowing that Schwarber might be picking it up? So, like I said, you know, you, you don't uh, – uh, managers don't have a team meeting when your fifth starter's pitching that day. Right. You know, yeah. it's always, you know, when your ace is pitching, you know. I'm going to have a meeting and then throw Wheeler out there and, you know, I'm going to look like a genius. So it, it, it's funny the way things are done. It really is. It's almost like a perfect storm. And, and they've won 10 of 11. But, man, I see the Mets. You talk about a manager making a difference. Yeah. It seems like Buck Showalter has created a great environment. They're running away with it. But the Braves, they're, they're on a heater of 12 straight games. How tough is it going to be for the Phillies because all these games against the division? Well, it, it's, it's, I don't know if anyone's going to catch the Mets. I don't, you know, and especially, you know, their three top starting pitchers are going to be coming back sometime in the second half, and they're all going to be healthy and rested. Like, oh, dear God. You know, it's bad enough getting Scherzer, and then you get the Grom, you're like, oh, good. You know, they don't have to make a trade at the trade deadline. They're getting three trades, and, yeah. and guys that are already on their roster, so their, their payroll's not going to go up because those guys are already getting paid. They're going to be tough to catch. With Buck, you know, when I talked to some of the Mets players, because I've known Buck forever, he's a dear friend, and, uh, you know, he, he's changed. He's not that old school, do it my way or, or you're out type of deal. Uh, he holds them accountable. Uh, he holds them responsible if they do something stupid. Uh, they have to answer to the media if they do something stupid. And, uh, you know, I think, but I think the guy, but he's also bought into uh, analytics a little, not, not like, 100%, but, you know, he's willing to listen and, and put it into play if, the, if he thinks it's good. But, you know, he lets the players play now. You know, before he, I think, you know, we've talked about this, how he micromanaged. So I remember going to visit him in Baltimore. He was managing the Royals. I walk in there in his office, and guys are playing ping pong. I'm like, I look at Adam Jones. I'm like, yeah, did Buck, did Buck get fired? How can, he goes, no, he's the one who said we can get one. I'm like, get out of here. He evolved, huh? Yeah, he's changed. <laughs> Let's the guys go out when it's hot and BP in shorts and T-shirts and stuff. I, I got, you know. When let he was make a, it fun and, and let him got to because, let loose. you know, it was, I, I don't, when we were playing, it was different because, you know, we were employees yeah. and we're the bosses. So you do what, you guys are going to do what we tell you to do. 
But now it's, you know, it's more of a, you know, we're all in this together type thing. And not that we weren't all in it together back then, but we knew not to question. Yeah, I mean, especially in the NBA, they're co-owners. The yeah. star players are co- oh, co-owners. God. But so, so when, when you look at this division, even if the Phillies start, you know, playing yeah, like tough. this for the rest of the year, how tough is it going to be? Do you, do you think they'll get one of the wild cards? Well, is that your expectation? Th- th- yeah, you know, I, I, you got to worry too. Like, what's out happening out west too? With the Dodgers and the Padres are having a great year. You know, will one of those teams? I doubt it, but will one of those teams have a collapse? Because eventually, the Padres are going to get Tatis Jr. back. That could be ugly because they're, you know, they they've been scoring runs and, uh, you know, Machado and Hosmer are having unbelievable years and their pitching's been really good. Uh, you know, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. You know. They'll, they'll go out and get something if they need it at the trade deadline. They always do because they have such a great minor league system. They can afford to do it. Uh, and that, you know, we, we always look at the East with the, what the Mets and the Braves are doing. Uh, you got to worry about this team that they're playing now, the Marlins. They can pitch. I mean, you saw that game, uh, you know, with, he and, with uh, Alcantara and, and Nola. I mean, that's that's two heavyweights going at it right there, and they match pitch for pitch, man. It, there was not going to be a lot of offense and – you're kind of feeling in those games as a player that you better do something late in the game to win it because, you know, it's going to be close by the time you get to the eighth. And then, you know, you understand that. And, you know, thank God Reese got that big hit to walk it off. But, uh, you know, I, I, I worry about this team because they can pitch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they're going to get healthy again. You know, they're going to get uh, Anderson back. Uh, they're going to get Joey Wendell back, uh, you know. And when they do, that's, you know, two pretty good offensive pieces they're going to get. You know, I, I don't I, – if I'm the Phillies, I don't concern myself with the Mets until you play them. But I just think that they're better than everyone else in this division. But if you're the – you know, if, uh, you know, Phillies need to you know, really dial it in on the Braves, on the Marlins. And, you know, you don't want to watch the scoreboard, but you better keep your eye on what's going on out west. Yeah. Uh, you know, and see what's going on with, the, you know, the Padres and, and uh, the Giants out there. And, uh, you know, the, and the, you know, the Cardinals – <laughs> it's just, you know, it, I can't wrap my head around all these wild cards. Before it was just two, right? Yeah. Now it's three. Yeah. yeah. Imagine that when you were playing, how many times you oh could have been God. in the playoffs. You know? There were times, I mean, I remember the Phillies a couple times here. You you, you were gone, but I remember a couple times yeah. they would have been, like they added the wild card. Yeah. They would have been a playoff team. Let me ask you this, too, because uh, when you look at these come-from-behind wins, they've had 13 comeback wins this year. We've seen several on this streak here, what does that say about maybe a little bit of a change in the belief, the mentality, yeah. and the vibe in that dugout? Well, they know they can win now, you know, and, 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 you know, people say that sometimes when you get some new players in, it takes a while to gel and everything, and, uh, but I, I think what I've been seeing recently is, and look, the, 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 and it's every team, there, there's going to be a lot of strikeouts, you know, you, you, we understand that, but it looks like to me that they're, like, I, I know... Uh, 1992, we finished in last place, but I think we led the league in runs scored. And, you know, we, we got into that mode where we trusted the guy behind us. So, you know, if I can, you know, if they're not throwing me strikes, I'll walk. Because I know I'm not going to expand my strikes because I knew Dave Hollins and Darren were behind me. Uh, you know, I think the same with Lenny and the guy sitting second, Mickey or Mariano. You know, trust the guy behind you that he can deliver. And, you know, our lineup was deep like this team's is deep. And so you got to trust these guys. And uh, But these young kids now, you know, they're coming up with big hits. I hate that Maton got hurt, but, you know, Maton and Stott have come up with big hits for this team. Uh, you know, Veerling hit the home run and, and Boehm off Hader in Milwaukee to win. The guy hadn't given up a run since, what, April? Yeah. Or last year, maybe. Last year, yeah. I mean, yeah. that guy's filthy, man. And, you know, they hit two home runs. So there's a belief that no matter what, they have a chance. But that also stems, John, from their bullpen. Sir Anthony's been unbelievable. I mean, when you talk to people in spring training, they had no idea what they were going to get from Connor Brogdon. His velocity was down. They didn't know if he was hurt. His velocity's back. His changeup's a lot better than it was early in the season. And now, you know, you saw last in last night's game, he pitched the eighth inning. Uh, you know, and Sir Anthony got the ninth. And, and, you know, that's a great thing when your bullpen now is deeper uh, and you got you got to think that Knable's going to figure it out and get things rolling. You know, once he gets over this little shoulder issue, but uh, you know, if the bullpen like last night keeps him at bay, the offense knew they had a shot. Yeah. Should Sir Anthony right now? Yes. Go into the closers' role. Yes, I think. 
The thing I love about Sir Anthony, when he first came up, it was just that four seam that cut for him. And it was cutter, cutter, cutter. It was basically like Mariano Rivera. I'm just going to throw cutter, cutter, cutter. But now you watch, he's throwing a two-seamer now that can run it in on a righty. So everything's not away from him. Everything's not into lefties anymore. He can run something away from him. And he's throwing a slider a lot more. And, you know, now he's become a three-pitch pitch instead of a one-pitch. And and uh, I, I just think, uh, I, I, I firmly believe in my head, just my own opinion, that he has the mentality to be a closer. He definitely has the stuff to be a closer. Because I talked to other teams about when, when he was first came up. And they're like, holy crap. He said, where'd they find this guy? 100-mile-an-hour cutters? I said, I said, yeah, good draft, I guess. Yeah, and I think I think Phillies fans want to see him in that role yeah. now. Speaking of pitching, it, it seems to me Aaron Nola is just having that sneaky great year. I mean, he leads baseball in whip, or he's 1-2. Right, yeah. um, he basically, Yeah, strikeouts. And then, and then Zach Wheeler, him and Sandy Alcantara have arguably been the best pitchers yeah. since, like, what, end of April yeah. when, when Zach kind of got going from not having the spring training. Yeah. With this, how much confidence do you think that gives the rotation and the other guys in rotation when you've got that one, too? Yeah, I, I, it, it's huge. And, you know, we, we were worried coming into the season about Aaron. You know, was he really a top-of-the-rotation guy? Because he really struggled last year. Uh, you know, I think the year, year before, two years prior to that, he was, what, third in Cy Young, I think, yeah. at Boating? Yeah. And so you thought, you know, okay, we have a legitimate ace. Then they get Wheeler, and now you know you have a legitimate ace. But Aaron's right there with all of them right now. And, and if he continues like this, you know, Eflin keeps progressing. Uh, Kyle Gibson was better his last start. He's been having just that one rough inning his last handful of starts where one inning just goes south for him and uh, he can't stop the bleeding. Uh, but, you know, if he's if he's doing what he's doing and, and if Ranger – if Rangers command, that's the only thing with him. His stuff's there. Uh, the movement's there on his changeup, his, his cut or whatever, and his, his four-seam fastball and a sinker that, uh, you know, is, is basically the way it was last year. It's just he can't command it. Once he gets that, I think he's going to be a lot better. Showed signs in Milwaukee. Then, uh, you know, the start here the other day against uh, Arizona wasn't, again, his command was all over the place. But uh, here's my thing. Their starting pitching is going to be good enough to get they that would should be able to get them in the postseason. Their offense is good enough. Can the bullpen hold up and can they catch the ball yeah. consistently enough? And if they can, uh, you know, the defense seemed to get better, but it just seems like they have that one clunker where everything goes south for right. them, both offensively and defensively. Like Sunday, thirteen. Yeah, oh to God, one. it was yeah. ugly. What, eleven walks, a hit batter, struck uh, out one mental mistakes, yeah. two strikeouts with the bases loaded, one out. I mean uh, you know, they had their chances, but, uh, you know, again, it, you know, Larry Bullitt told me a long time ago, I wasn't playing uh, my second year, Larry's first year managing. And he told me, he said, you know, I, I firmly believe that defense wins championships and you're a terrible outfielder. <laughs> and uh, I just remember talking to Bill Madlock, who was with the Dodgers. We were walking in one day uh, and I had to cross, you know, to walk into the clubhouse in San Diego, you had to cross over the door of the Dodgers or the visiting team. And I was walking in, and I heard a guy behind me go, hey, why ain't you playing? I said, I don't know. They said something about my defense wasn't good enough. And he looked at me, and he goes, man. He goes, you could shake a tree. And he goes, ten gloves will fall out and only one bat. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like oh, okay. And, I, and then I started thinking about it as I'm walking down the hall. I'm like, huh, I guess that's right. If you hit well enough, they'll find a place for you to play. And I he got to start playing. Someone got hurt. Uh, Steve Garvey, I believe, got hurt at uh you know, Bowl come in and say, hey, can you play first base? Absolutely. I've never played first base in my life. Didn't know what the heck I was doing over there. I told the infield coach, Sandy Alomar Sr., I said, Sandy, can you come out here tomorrow about noon? He said, yeah, for what? I said, you got to teach me how to play first base, man. <laughs> he goes, well, I thought you told him you could play there. I said, what, what do you want me to do, say no and sit the bench tomorrow? Right. And it turned out well after that. Yeah. So, uh, but They found know, a place. Yeah. They found a spot. Yeah, you and, I, and I think, you know, I, I, look, Alec had a – Tough day the other day, a black, uh, you know, mental lapse with the runner coming toward him. He could have tagged him and got an out and then hesitated and didn't get the force at second that, uh, you know, caused a bigger inning than it should have been. But uh, I, I really think Alec's going to be fine. I really do. I, I, he's, he's too good an athlete not to be, not to be able to, to play third base. Yeah. And I know that, you know, those guys are working hard with him. Bobby Dickerson's working hard. And he has gotten a lot better. After the, uh, you know, 
That was that was amazing. Yeah. By the way, this is not the Academy Awards. They're not putting the music on to say we got to wrap it up. I, I do have a couple other questions. Uh-huh. Um, were you surprised at all with how much Philadelphia had his back? I mean, to get a standing ovation the next night, did it did it kind of teach these young guys if you own it in this town and you're accountable? Yeah. They love you. Yep. That's all they want. Be honest with them. You know, they, they hate. Pete, I, what I, Dave Montgomery told me when one the first day I got traded here, Dave Montgomery said, he goes, look, he said, I need to tell you something. He said, you can't BS these people. He said, you better be honest with them. He said, they will call BS on you. I said, well, I don't know if you heard the things I said about some people on the Padres, but I will be honest. <laughs> but I remember one of my first games here, I forgot the outs. Caught a fly ball in left field, guy on second tag, and Lenny's screaming at me, throw it, throw it, throw it. I'm like, throw what? It's three outs. So I started jogging in, a guy in second tagged and scored. Wow. And I'm like, I look up at the board, I'm like, oh man, one out, and now there's two outs. But then I had to lead off the next inning. Struck out on three pitches. They booed the crap out of them. Yeah. But I ended up driving in a few runs, drove in the winning run, and uh, you know, after the game, they came to me and said, what happened? I said, I had a brain fart. I said, I screwed up. I forgot the outs. I said, I, I guarantee it's not going to happen again. Thank God it didn't. But I was honest. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't, you know, I looked at the scoreboard and it said two outs. So I just trusted, you know, I, I know you don't make excuses. Right, you're right. Alec did make excuses. The bad thing is the national media was praying that they booed his ass. Yep. Praying. Yeah. And I, that's what I hate about some of those people. They don't get it. If you haven't worked here, if you haven't played here, or if you haven't spent any time here, Shut the hell up about here. I, I just really chaps my ass when these people come in one game, a, 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 you know, a, a half a season, maybe two times a year, and start talking about the fans. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Just shut up. They want it to fit a narrative. Yeah. But you know what it's... Well, it, because they come prepared. Exactly. Oh, boy, I hope something bad happens so they boo people. So no. And we've got the Santa Claus, the oh, Snowballs yeah. video ready yeah, to back go. Yeah, in, what, 1970? Exactly. A drunk Santa. Right, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't a good Santa. No. You're right. By the way, um, I would let my kids sit on his lap if he was drunk. <laughs> By the way, uh, I do think, too, that Philadelphia fans, they just want to know that you care yeah. and you hurt with the losses as much as they do. And that's why I think Kyle, you know, Bryce, I mean, come on, they love Bryce. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, when you when you sign a player to come here, if, if, if they're thin-skinned, yeah. it's going to be tough because you are held accountable. And that's what I think, you know, from day one, Nick and Kyle, uh, you know, Bryce and all the others, you know, they understand that. And, and they they understood before they signed here what they're getting, what you're getting into when you come here. Yeah. It's different. I, I remember San Diego, I, I mean, I, I uh, run around second, no outs. I hit a grounder to second, got the guy over to third in a tie game. Someone was booing me, you know, that thing. I'm like... <laughs> Like, what the hell's your problem? Like, yeah, nice ground out to second. You couldn't drive. Like, my job was to get him to third. Right. I got, you know, freaking Jack Clark hit behind me. You know, Jack's, a, you know, unbelievable RBI guy. Jack hits a sack fly, put us in the lead. And I'm like, God, he, I, I told Bo, I said, these people don't know, <laughs> you know what about baseball out here. I said, what the heck? And uh, and he, so when he got fired, Larry got fired, he, I called him, talked to him, said, hey, thanks for giving me an opportunity and whatever. He said, I'm going back to Philly. I'm going to get your ass over there. I said, please do. Please do. And, uh, you know, the next year, here I am. Yeah. Perfect place for you. I, I loved it. Hey, I loved it. Hey, I, I I was kind of like this when I was a kid because I had three older brothers, and I had to fight and fall for everything. Tough love, my, right? Well, my oldest brother's 10 years older than me. They didn't take it easy. We're playing wiffle ball in the backyard. They're trying to gas me up when I'm like eight and he's 18. <laughs> I had to learn. Yeah. And it pissed me off sometimes when I didn't get the job done, when I had a bad game in wiffle ball. And I think that subconsciously helped me uh, when I got traded here. It's a great description for Philadelphia fans, the, the tough older brother. Tough and yep. young. Yeah. yeah. So, Hold so, you accountable. Yeah. We're not going to take it easy on you. Yeah, right. But if you perform, we're going to love you to death. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question about, you know, if you're commissioner of baseball, you're talking about the new rules coming in. Because I looked up the time back in the 90s, you know, games were like two hours and 50 minutes. Now they're like 310, 3.15. Games are too long. Yeah. What would you do? Would you would you put the pitch clock in? I would put a pitch clock in. Uh, I, you know, I would, 
so many guys now you watch, it takes them forever to get from the on-deck circle to the batter's box. It's, you know, it's, you know, they have a routine. And I said it the other day, I said, you know, when you're, two things, when you're hitting like 140, one, your routine don't work, and two, you should never question the umpire because you have no idea what your strike zone is if you're hitting 140. Right. Uh, but I, I just think there's so many, and look, with TV and the revenue that TV brings in and the, you know, the reason why these guys can get paid what they pay, a lot of it has to do with TV money, uh, you know, more commercials, especially national games. There's going to be more longer commercials, it seems like. Uh, and, you know, I, I was watching the game last night. I was like, first inning, bottom of the first inning. Alcantara was almost done his warm-up pitches before the outfielders even got out there. He's ready. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. he threw two pitches, and I think uh, De La Cruz and uh, Soler, well, Soler made the last out, I believe, so it, you can understand that. But De La Cruz was hitting ninth. He shouldn't have had his helmet and batting gloves on. Uh, that, and you love being – most guys would love being behind a pitcher like Cliff yeah. Lee and those guys who oh, just – they're yeah. rolling. Yeah. They're rolling. Ranger. Rangers like that. Yeah. Get it and throw it, man. It, yeah, you know, I, I always, I, I told my softball girls this when I was coaching softball. We had some that really tried to overthink things. You know, you can see it. It looks like there's smoke coming out of their ears because they're grinding their brain up there trying to figure out, do this, do this, do this. I finally told a couple of them, and they were great kids. And I said, look, I said, you two aren't very smart, so quit thinking. <laughs> you know, you're not capable, so just don't. See the damn thing, hit it, and run like hell. I yeah. said, that's, that's the way you hit and they're like, oh, okay, coach, you know, and they ended up turning their seasons around. But, man, you know. It, <laughs> That's like Lenny Dykstra when he said, I don't read because yeah. I don't want to clutter my mind. Yeah. Oh, there's, he, it's funny because he was so, you know, one thought. Yeah. And that was how am I going to approach this pitcher and, you know, where I'm going to. Lenny was a savant when it came to breaking down a pitcher. Yeah. And he would tell us, you know, hey, first at bat, keep an eye on it. He said, I'm going to get. You're going to see every pitch this guy had. Yeah. Unless it was a tough lefty, then he might swing early if he got a fastball because everyone thought he was going to take. But, I mean, it was, you know, I had I was lucky because I had guys that hit in front of me like he and Tony Gwynn that work deep counts, put the ball in play, uh, you know, make pitchers work. And it helped me, both of them being left-hand hitters, to understand how this guy's probably going to pitch to me the same way. Yeah. And uh, it, those two guys helped me tremendously just by – just by my being able to watch them. He was analytics before analytics, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the way you get oh, it man. done. Oh, man, he, he, was, he was unbelievable. And Tony was, too. Tony, you know, Tony's reference, his, his, uh, yeah, I remember we were playing the Reds, or I think it was the Reds, and uh, they brought in a lefty in the ninth inning, runner on second. And, I, you know, I'm assuming Tony's hitting second, I'm hitting third. It was only my second year in the big league. So, I, you know, you walk Tony Gwynn, right? I mean, a guy hits 360 every yeah. every year. Yeah. You, you walk him to pitch to me, right? Lefty on lefty. And Tony said, he said, he said they're going to pitch to me. He said, I, last time I faced this guy, he said, I got 2-2 two, two and I rolled over. He threw a slider. I rolled over a grounder to second. He said, uh, he said I'm going to get 2-2. Two, two, and he said, uh, this game's over. I said, get the hell out. He got to count to two and one. The guy threw a pitch probably six, eight inches outside. Tony flips it over the third base dugout. He turned around smiling. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> they threw him a slider. He had a base hit in the gap like Reese did last night. And uh, winning run score. And I'm like, oh, that's, you know, I, I got to start thinking that way. But, it, I, I, but then I asked him, I said, when's the last time you faced him? I thought it was like early in the season. Right. He said, well, like two and a half, three years ago. I'm wow. like, holy crap. Got it up no, there. Recorded every one of his at-bats. Yeah. So he taught me how to watch video. But he said, I don't watch uh, anyone else's swing. Watch your own. And he worked with me one day. We were in that room. They had a little room built for Tony for all the video stuff. He had and, his own separate room. Yeah, they built it nice. for Tony. And we you know, we went in there. But he brought me in there one day. And he, he's like slow-mo. said, look what your hip's doing. Look what your wrist is doing. Look. And I'm like, holy God, <laughs> you watch this stuff every night? I said, I'd go brain dead if I had to watch that stuff every Baseball night. Baseball porn. Yeah. <laughs> But he watched every night. He watched the next day starting pitcher and wow. their bullpen guys. Every bat that he's ever had off of them. Yeah. And I mean, my God, hit what three thirty for his career? Yeah. Or something. He's in the Hall of Fame. 
eight batting titles. I mean, yeah, he did all right. Amazing player to watch. How about when I look at the nutrition and the sports science huh. these days, and I was thinking of the 93 team. What would that have been like if they tried to bring this guy in to introduce sports science and nutrition to that clubhouse? Yeah. Uh, we, it's funny because me and Larry Ball were talking about it yesterday with the, uh, you know, they have psychiatrists, psychologists or whatever, and uh, uh, performance coaches. I mean, they got everything. Let's put it this way. The players of today have everything they need at their disposal just by walking through the door. Yeah. They don't have to go to a doctor's office. They don't need to go to a psychiatrist's office if they think they need therapy or whatever. It's all there. Larry Bow and I were joking about it yesterday. I said, can you imagine if the team psychiatrist, after Dave <laughs> Hollins went 0 for 4, made a couple errors, and went to Dave and said, hey, Dave, I'm here if you want to talk to him. He'd kill the person. And... You know, <laughs> you know, I've gone down there before, and the chefs are making, you know, spinach and kale, and I'm like, oh my god, like where, <laughs> you know, where's the hot dog? Where's? Right. I remember a couple of years ago, I went in a Mets visiting clubhouse. I, I go see the clubhouse guy Tony Carullo. I, you know, I, I love Tony, so I would go in and visit him. He goes, come here, I want to show you something. We go in this room. There's like boxes and boxes of cakes and candies and and everything. So why is this in here, not out there? He said, the Phillies nutritionist called and said, get all that stuff out of here. He said, we'll bring it. Here's what we need. And he said, and it's all healthy. And I'm like, oh, my God. He looked at me and he goes, you'd have never made it. I said, no, I'd have, I'd have probably quit, man. I'd eat that stuff all the time. It is amazing. I thought the greatest sign I've ever seen at the vet, well, maybe Citizens Bank was Babe did it on hot dogs and beer yeah. when Barry Bonds came to town. Yeah. It was just. Oh, yeah. You know, it was it was a different era. Yeah. Huh? I mean, yeah. did you have anybody that would advise you or help you with anything nutritionally or sports psychologist <laughs> or anything? One day, one year, they sent me and Wayne Gomes down to this guy in Louisiana, New Orleans, to lose weight. Like, come on, man, <laughs> I'm single, right? What, what what makes you think I'm going to New Orleans to lose weight? <laughs> but we had so to get up. How close was it to Bourbon Street? Oh my God! Well. Right down the street, they had this place. There was three of us there. John Zuber, who's in the minor leagues with the Phillies, they wanted him to gain weight. They wanted Wayne to lose weight. Now, Wayne, you know, when Gomzy came, he'd get on the bus to go to the place we worked out and trained and whatever. He'd fall asleep. Half the time, you couldn't get him out of the bus to go in to do the workout. <laughs> and then afterwards, you know, we went out. Uh, they had a statue out there. I think it was St. Jude yeah. with, with the arms like this. We went out there and kicked field goals over St. Jude. Because <laughs> one of the days they said, you know, hey, you guys got free uh, free conditioning. Yeah. So we went and got a football, me and Zuber. We're out there throwing pass patterns and running back, trying to get Gomes to come out so we can have a, a defender. <laughs> He's like, no, I ain't doing that crap, man. I so, Wait, did they have the three of you together, the guy they needed to yeah. gain weight and the two guys yeah. they wanted to lose well, weight? Well, Gomes, he didn't want to ever a... do anything because we had the weekends off. Yeah. And, me, and, you know, so I'd go somewhere with Zub. Me and Zuber would go out. And, uh, you know, he's getting cheeseburgers and this and that. And I'm looking at him like, well, this sucks. <laughs> you know, I got to eat like, you know, a piece of lettuce and a, and a, and a you know, a, a piece of celery. That's it. That's kind of cruel. You're no, he's him eating his big ass Well, put it this way. Me and Gomesy didn't lose any weight while we were there. As, <laughs> you know, Gomesy didn't really do much. I did all the work that they asked me to do. It just, you know, after we were done at like five in the afternoon, they send you. They, to, they didn't keep a good eye on me. They send you to one of the best food places, yeah. food cities in America. But then one weekend we went to the. We got on the riverboat, me and Zuber. Oh man. We were only going to go out for like an hour. You know, we were gambling a little bit, having fun, eating, whatever. You know, a couple cocktails here and there. And uh, some guy that ran the the, 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 the the riverboat, he knew who I was, so he came over and said, "Hey," he said, uh, "Good to see you." He said, "I grew up in Philly." Blah blah blah. I said, oh man, that's great. He said, uh, we, we go back to Doc and like, uh, we're going back an hour, but if you guys want to stay here, we stayed there all damn day. We thought we'd go there from like 12 <laughs> to 1, you know, noon to 1, and, you know, have a few drinks yeah. and then come back to the hotel and go get something to eat, whatever. We were on that thing from 12 to like 1 in the morning. I'm like, oh, my God. Were you supervised on this trip? No. <laughs> no. Well, we were supposed to write down everything we ate. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I told you, I told a guy, he said, he said, uh, he said, I only want you drinking water. And I'm like, 
I said, there's water in beer, right? <laughs> I said, don't you have to have water to make beer? And there's barley, hops. You know, you're getting all your grains you need. That is amazing, because now teams will send like three people with somebody if yeah. they're losing weight. So they're, are they sending the guys who have the gambling problems to Vegas? Is yeah, that where they're sending them to? It wasn't well thought out, was it? <laughs> it was fun, though. I mean, I was down there for, I think we were down there for two weeks. That's amazing. I went back to West Virginia and showed up in spring training. And I did get in shape. I had the worst spring training of my life. Probably the lightest I ever came into spring training. And I think I had one hit all spring. Really? And near the end of spring, uh, about a week left to go in spring training, after another little grounder to second, I remember standing there by the batting cage like this, like, my God, I don't know if I'll ever get a hit again the rest of my life. John Vukovic behind me. And Vuki goes, you are a lot better hitter fat. <laughs> I looked at him and said, is that the green light? He said, green light, pizza and beer tonight for you. I'm like. And then you went like on a, 10 I, game, a tear? Yeah, I got, well, I, I didn't do well the rest of spring, but once my weight got to a good place, I, I got off to a really good start. Because Fergosi was going to bench me opening day in 93. Really? Because of how bad a spring I had. And he called me in opening day over in Houston. I think Greg Swindell was pitching. And he goes, he goes, I, I can't play you. I said, what do you mean? He said, you stink. I said, I said, oh, man, that stuff don't count. I said, some guys hit when they can, some hit when they want to. Right. I said, I'll get three tonight. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he said, well, you better or else you ain't playing tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, there's some pressure, man. <laughs> but I did. I ended up getting, I think I got three hits. And and, and then the rest was history. Yeah. Led, yeah. The, led the whole way. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, growing up here in Philly, there was no better title for a book. No. I'm not an athlete, lady. I'm a baseball yeah. player. That is the absolute yeah. perfect title. I know, but I got to clear that up. I wasn't clever enough to come up with that. Randy Reddy and I were in a bar, and, you know, I had a couple couple pops, and I'm drinking a beer or whatever. And some lady come over and said something about, uh, uh, you know, so what are you doing? You're, you're a professional baseball player. Uh, you're a professional athlete. You know, you shouldn't be out here drinking. Yeah. And Randy Luger, he goes, ma'am, he said, he's not a baseball, he's not an athlete, lady, he's a baseball player. So it was Randy's line. It just somehow got thrown onto me, like I said. It was like in Chicago. I didn't know what that body water was the first time we flew over, but I knew it wasn't an ocean. Tim Flannery saying, that. oh, he asked me what ocean it was. Is that the Atlantic or the Pacific? Lake, Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan? Yeah, he says, uh, I said, I, I, I'm like, man, I, I didn't say that. I never said that. I didn't know what it was, yeah. but I knew it wasn't an ocean. <laughs> Wait, you have a couple good quotes? Because I've, I've heard well, I didn't know where San Diego was either when I got drafted by him. Get out. Oh, no clue. Didn't even know they had a team. Didn't watch baseball. You didn't know San Diego had a baseball team? Wow. That's I got amazing. drafted. A buddy of mine come over and goes, look, and they had a, brought over a Dave Winfield baseball card and has ugly yellow and brown. I'm like, oh, my God, it's a softball team. Look at that. <laughs> Those can't be real. I, but I didn't realize how beautiful a place San Diego was. I had no clue. Yeah. Because we we were we were told on the weekends, we only had three stations growing up. Eventually, I think my junior year, we got uh, my junior in high school, 17, I think we got TBS and WGN. So we got to watch the Cubs. And the Braves. And the Braves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, you know, we were, my parents were like, you know, weekends, you're going to do your chores. You know, you had to go weed her garden and, you know, pick out the dead buds and stuff for tomatoes and whatever and all that. But then we were allowed to come inside until it was time to eat. And then she would let us know. Because we had acres. We had a baseball field, football field, basketball. And uh, we weren't allowed to come in the house until she called us in. Unless one of us got into a fight and one of us was bloody. But <laughs> and then it was like, you know, if you don't need stitches, keep your ass outside. Uh, it's tough luck, but uh, uh, you know we were told to be outside. So why did, we didn't really watch baseball. So really, the only baseball I saw in the '70s was um, the the World Series. Yeah. You know, we would watch the World Series because they you know, they still had day games, but there were night games too. And you know, my brothers and I would watch. But it seemed like it was always the Yankees and the Dodgers. Yeah. So you know, that's who the teams we knew. I didn't know the Padres. The Padres weren't going to be on the game of the week. Right. So that's why I had no idea who they were. I had no clue who they were. And that they would actually wear those uniforms. Yeah. Huh. And, uh, you know, I, I remember I was playing in the summer league when I got drafted by the Padres. A guy, the coach called me in and said, hey, you got drafted uh, by the Padres. And who? 
He said, the Padres? Well, what the hell is that? <laughs> he said, San Diego Padre? I said, I don't know. Clueless, man. Is it religious? Is it? Uh... I had no idea. <laughs> All I know is when I saw those uniforms, I'm like, wow, this is not going to be good. But uh, That's wild. Yeah, you know, but I learned how to play by yeah. being outside. Yeah. And we did. Because uh, my, my mom planted her corn, everything in right field. So that's how I learned how to hit the left field. Cause, you know. Oh, my God. You didn't want to ruin her corn? No, oh, I didn't want her to beat my ass. Because <laughs> I would snap hook a couple in there. And my brothers would run in to get it. Oh, my God. So she, it got to the point. She came out and she said, look, you hit one more ball in there, you'll never play again. She said, you better hit the ball that way or else you're done. And I was the only lefty in my family. So my brothers were all like, you know, hitting bomb. I'm like, well, I got to figure out how to do this. <laughs> but I did. I learned how to use my hands and hit the ball that way. And, uh, wow. you know, and it worked. And that's why I had trouble pulling the ball when I got to in the minor leagues and the big leagues. I didn't know how to pull the ball because I, you know. We're sending everybody to your mom's oh, cornfield. No, not that... now. <laughs> I mean, she she got pissed, man. I mean, it was bad. But That's awesome. And they, you retired as a 300 hitter right yeah. on the, I'm telling you, that was. I didn't know. See, I always thought you knew exactly. I'm walking off the field because nope. I'm, I'm at 300. Nope. So here, here's what happened. Uh, they, they've been the White Sox have been talking about trading some of our pitchers, you know, Alex Fernandez, uh, Wilson Alvarez, and Jim Abbott. And Abby was our best pitcher. And so we were, me and he, he and I were on the bus one day, uh, and I said, Look, I said, I said, I my body's shot. And I said, If they trade you, I'm going to retire. He said, oh, Really? I said, Yeah. I said, You know, I that because I, I know then it's they're going to start getting rid of other guys and going to rebuild and. I said, you know, I, I, I knew I was done after this year anyway, so this just could expedite uh, me being done. So we were flying and we flew into Boston. We get on the bus and Jim goes, hey, he said, uh, can you come to my room when we get to the hotel? I said, yeah. So I go up there and uh, Ozzie Guillen was there because I've known Ozzie since he was 16 in the minor leagues with the Padres. We played together for four years. Uh, Robin Ventura was up there. Kurt McCaskill was up there. And uh, I believe Scott Radinsky. Like three crazy guys. I mean, funny, but uh, so you know, I go up to his room and Abby goes, "Hey," he said, uh, "I got traded." I said, "Get the hell out of here!" He said, "Don't retire, though, man." I said, "No, I'm done, really." So you know, we were toasting Abby, drinking some beers, whatever, and Kurt McCaskill and and, Ro and Robin, Ozzy, and, and Scott. They said, "Man, we got to come up with something creative for you to retire." I said, I "Tell you what, you know, we got three games here in Boston." He said, why don't you, next hit, just walk off the field and go home. Like, yeah, I can do that. So I had to go in and tell the general manager and the manager the next day, I say, hey, if I get a hit, I'm retiring. They called this kid up. I was 0 for 3 games in Boston. And I'm like, you need that hit. We go to Baltimore, and I grew up about two and a half, three hours from Baltimore. So my parents were there, a bunch of family, relatives and stuff. So I told my dad, I said, hey, when I get a hit, I'm retiring. His quote to me was, well, you better get the son of a bitch before Sunday because it's supposed to be 120 degrees here. And he said, I'm sitting out in that heat waiting for you to get another hit. So you have one at bat in your mind? or yet? Well, Friday, I didn't get a hit. Well, Friday, really? Saturday, Sunday in Baltimore. Didn't get a hit Friday. Saturday it was so bad, I pinch hit, struck out. And <laughs> so I saw Doug Jones, who played with us the year before in Philly. He was a closer for the Orioles. And we were talking, and he said, what's, what's going on? I said, I said, well, I want to get one more hit and retire and walk off the field. You know, these Ozzy and these guys and Robin and all, you know, they came up with this great plan. And uh, I said, who's pitching Sunday? He said, uh, uh, Scott Erickson. I said, is he a good guy? He goes, yeah, real good guy. I said, can you tell him just to throw me a damn cookie with nothing on it so I can just have one chance of getting another hit before I die? Did you say your dad's sitting in the heat? Oh, yeah. Oh, he was, lay, lay it on? He was upset, too, after the game Saturday. He goes, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and, you know, he was very – you talk about unfiltered. That man was unfiltered. <laughs> he was Archie Bunker before Archie Bunker. I mean, it was it was something. So he goes, I tell you what. He said, Jonesy goes, I tell you what. He said, I'll come down to the dugout before you come up to hit. If I tip my hat, he, he'll do it. Wow. And I'm like, oh, thank God. So first guy – Someone got on, next guy made it out. I'm walking up, I don't see Jonesy anywhere. And I'm, I mean, I'm eyeballing that dog out. 
and he's not anywhere. I'm like, I'm getting close to batter's box. Like, oh my God, I might have to try this on my own. <laughs> he come down and went like this, breathing heavy too. Uh, and he did. Scott threw me wow. pitch about like a BP type fastball. Yeah. Got the jam, hit a little blooper. So I'm on first base. They well, they called a kid up in Boston. So when I got the hit, he they was going to take my place. They were ready for every day. It asked me, hey, today the day? I doubt it. <laughs> he said, well. You know, next day, hey, you feel good today? Nope. Don't look for it today. You know, but uh, so uh, Ron Jackson was our first base coach, and Rafael Palmero was playing first for the Orioles. And uh, I said, Papa Jack, man, it was a pleasure. Pleasure, your coaching. I really appreciate everything you did for me. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, I'm done, man. Frank Thomas was on the top step getting ready to run for me. Papa Jack and, uh, and, and Rafi. Trying to talk me into staying. Oh, you got to stay. You're hitting 320, man. Why are you leaving at 320? And I'm like, would you guys shut up? Frank's ready to run for him. Papa said, look, goes, oh, my God, you're serious. Frank's ready to come in. He said, this will be the first time Frank ever ran for anyone. <laughs> I said, yeah, that tells you how slow I am. <laughs> so then, like, they kept talking. I was wondering if that's the same Frank Thomas because I'm like, he's coming in to yeah. pitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Frank was coming in to run for wow. him. But, so the pitcher pitches and he hits the ball. Someone hits the ball, base hit the left field. And I'm like, crap, I got to run to second. You know why these guys are talking to me? If I run to second, so I thought, well, I, I, hell, I'm here. I may as well talk to Cal, and, you know, wish him luck on the streak and hope he, you know, breaks the consecutive game streak, you know. And I'm talking to him. Next one hit, you know, another fly ball. And I'm like, oh, You're Cal, I got to run. I hit third. <laughs> you know, it was a fly out in the inning. I hit third. I go in. Uh, I had a note prepared. I left with Ozzy. Uh, Ozzy had a bottle of champagne, toast, drank, you know, drank a toast. Because, uh, you know, I mean, Ozzy, I'm so close with Ozzy and his whole entire family. It's, uh, you know, he's like a brother to me. And it meant a lot to me. And it was Dom Perignon, too. It was a good stuff. Oh, that's good. I, I didn't like it, but it was still good. <laughs> I didn't uh, see you as a Dom Perignon guy. No. But I drove home. Because, like I said, I went to three hours. So I drove home. I got home before the game was over. I had a satellite dish, you know, West Virginia State Flower. And uh, so I turned on the game. And I heard the announcer say, we still haven't got word, but it looked like he was limping. We're assuming he pulled a hamstring. I, I, and I was like, oh, crap, I guess I didn't tell anyone. You're home. I am home. Sitting and you my, couldn't tweet it. Sitting on, no, God, no. <laughs> they didn't have Sitting word. on my recliner, and they're talking about, you know, I must have got hurt or something. Uh, <laughs> that but, is insane. It, it, but here, here's where <laughs> I know I make my own decisions. My agent called me two weeks later, and he said, hey, he said, uh, are you injured? He said, I haven't seen your name in a box score. What? I said, oh, man, I forgot to tell you I'd retired. He goes, <laughs> he goes, shouldn't that have been something you ran past me? I said, you were going to change my mind. Oh, my God. Two weeks yeah, later, your agents wonder, where have you been? Where yeah. I wanted to know if I was hurt. Oh, my God. Because I, I didn't really answer the phone a lot. Yeah. And he did leave messages. But I'm like, ah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so finally I said, I better answer it. He's probably wondering. And, uh, yeah. That is amazing. Two, two weeks. That is amazing. Yeah. So the span of, of you trying to get your next hit and final hit was how many days, actually? Five. That's how I – because wow. when I walked away, I went home. I didn't know nothing. I didn't know I had exactly 100 homers. I think I was, like, doubles or something. I had an even number. Like, I don't know what it was, but right. whatever. And I had no idea. 300 batting average, right? I had no idea. So did you go – in those five days, did it go from, like, 302 to 301 to 300? You, you don't – I have no idea. I, that was something – I, I learned a valuable lesson from my dad when I was a ninth grader. We were playing in a summer league, and my, when I pitched, my brother played shortstop. When he pitched, we had to move all the infield around because I had to play the outfield. Yeah. And so my dad one day said, hey, he said, uh, we don't catch the ball in the infield. He said, you're playing shortstop next time your brother pitches. I go, yeah, whatever. I never played shortstop. You know, Left-handed. I made two errors in the first inning. Came in after the game, after the inning, I said, you got to get me off shortstop. I don't want to play there no more. Really? You don't want to play shortstop no more? I said, nope. He said, then get your ass home. He said, I'm the coach. I tell you what to do. You don't tell me what to do. And if you don't like it, get the hell home. You're done. Wow. And I'm like, whoa. I said, Dad, I'm going to be the best damn shortstop you've ever seen. <laughs> He's like, damn right you are. And I played shortstop all through high school. And I was told that I didn't win the West Virginia State Player of the Year because I was a left-handed shortstop. I hit like 6.30 or something like that. Wow. And, uh, that ain't right. No. 
Funny, right? No, my dad was really good friends with the secondary schools activity president of the secondary school activities commission in West Virginia. And the guy called him and told him, my dad said, you know what? He said, you're full of shit. <laughs> he said, he said, no, if you're the best player, you're the best player. It don't matter what position you play or what hand you throw with. Exactly. I didn't care. That's Cause right. that kid that won it came up to the junior college and they cut him. Wow. The really? guy that won the West Virginia State Player of the Year came to our junior. We were good though. Oh man. Wow. We had like six guys get drafted off our junior college team. Really? I asked somebody, I said, who's these guys, old guys out here with these stopwatches and guns and notepads? They said, oh, they're scouts. I said, for what? I want a guy, well. Thought you going to say Boy Scouts? Yeah, that's the Yankees guy. That's the Reds. That's this. That's this. I said, what, what the hell are they here for? I said, to watch us play. Well, the one guy got drafted by the Yankees, one with the Dodgers. Uh, one got drafted by the Reds. And uh, I got drafted by the Pirates, actually. Really? Yeah. Branch Ricky the Third came down to sign me. That's pretty cool. No, it wasn't. No? Showed me brochures of Bradenton. Nothing about the Pirates. He said, you know, we're going to send you down to spring training because you're kind of local to Pittsburgh, being from West Virginia. We're going to send you down to spring training, and then we're going to send you home. I'm like, wow, where do I sign? My dad looked at him. He said, Mr. Ricky, with all due respect, you can go F yourself. And he got up and walked away. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. So he looked at me, and he goes, well, what do you think? I said, you heard him. Go F yourself. I walk out. We had a 30-minute drive home. Not a word said. We pull in to the street, you know, the road that my parents lived on. And I said, hey, I got a question. I said, what happens if I don't get drafted again? And he goes, well, I guess that's on you then, isn't it? That was it. <laughs> so I was prepared to play here in Philly long before I was even out of high school. You got the perfect training. Oh, man. The perfect training for Philly. There was no, wow. you know, he, he didn't pull punches. And, uh, you know, we... we you did what he told you to do, and if you didn't, there was going to be repercussions. And, you know, I took that into to baseball, and I didn't question my managers, yeah. coaches, nothing. I, You know, they tell you what to do, you do it, and that's that's just the way we grew up. Yeah, great training. Yeah. Great training. And I have found, like, especially in Philly, I see Tyrese Maxey with the Sixers, Jalen Hurts, you, yeah. the son of a coach. There's nobody better as far as being dedicated, work ethic, and being accountable. So yeah. I think there's, well, there's my, something my to My high that. school coach was as tough as my dad. Really? Yeah. For, uh, well, he, he quit after my sophomore year, but for two years, ninth grade and 10th grade, I was that goddamn dumb Pollock. <laughs> and never know, call me by my name. <laughs> hey, you goddamn dumb Pollock, go get the bases. Hey, you goddamn dumb Pollock, go play out, catch with the outfield. Hey, you got, every time, every, I'm like, wow. <laughs> You had it rough. No, I loved it. You had it rough. I loved it. He threw a rock at me one day because he got pissed about something. I wouldn't even play him. In ninth grade, he didn't play freshman. He said, I don't play freshman. I'm like, whatever. Threw a rock, hit me right in the shin. But, you know, you think your parents would have your back? Hey, coach threw a rock right. at me. They said, what would you do to deserve it? Yeah. yeah. How about that? I, I guess I wasn't getting hits not playing. I don't know. But, yeah. you're, you're a tough SOB. Yeah, I like this. I loved it, though. Yeah. That's that's all we knew. That's yeah. all my brothers yep. and I knew. Yep. Now they got attorneys calling everybody. Oh, you know, yeah. you got agents on the phone. You yeah. got, yeah. Well, I say, yeah. I said it, you know, you know, you wonder why guys complain. Like, you go to Little League games or these travel ball things, and 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds complain about the umpire, questioning the umpire. Parents? Yeah. I, I, someone asked me, he said, what do you think about that? I said, how do you blame them? I said, it's not their fault. I said, the parents scream at the umpire after every pitch. Right. So right. the kid probably thinks it's okay. Why can't I do it if you're doing it? You're right. I said, they should ban parents from travel ball or build a closed-in area with soundproof. You can't hear them. Soundproof yeah. room where they can just sit and watch. They can scream all they want. No one will hear you. <laughs> parents ruin sports. Right? They really do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, and then I, they force the coaches to do things, and my, they think they're running the My team. son played Little League. First-year kid pitch. He got drilled his first two at bats, he got hit in the shoulder and then hit in the hand. He came a little gun shy. And the next year, we were out, you know, hey, baseball starting. You want to go out and hit, play catch? He goes, yeah, let's go play catch. We're out there playing catch. I can tell something's bothering him. And he said, uh, he said, I need to talk to you. I said, yeah, what? He's like 10 years old. I said, what? He said, I don't think I want to play baseball anymore. Oh. I said, okay. I said, what do you want to do? He said, I don't know. His best friend played soccer. He said, I think I might want to play soccer. Okay, we'll sign you up. 
he looked at me and he goes, I didn't realize it was going to be that easy. He said, I've been worried about this for a while. Wow. I said, I'm not, I would never make you do anything you don't want to do. If you don't want to, but you will play something. Well, he ended up playing soccer. He was the goalie. Their defense in that soccer team was so good. He went like five games without a shot on goal. <laughs> he just stood and leaned up against both with his water bottle. Like, God, God this has got to be killing him. He got in the car after one of the practices. He goes, Dad, what? I said, he goes, I'm playing baseball next year. This sucks. I said, well, welcome to football. Right, right. You know what you're doing, though, right? Oh, yeah. No, well, well you, but, you know, he played basketball. I told him, I said, yeah. once you start, you know, you can't quit. You finish out the season. Then it, the next year, if you decide you don't want to play, both my kids. My daughter hit like five-something or, fresh, or freshman year in softball. But she was a really, really good volleyball player. She was a good basketball player. She yeah. played varsity sports because we were a small private school from the sixth grade. Yeah. She was playing varsity basketball, softball, and, and uh, volleyball as a sixth grader. So she had a really good year of freshman year. And she asked me, she said, I want you to be honest with me. What sport do you think I'm best at? I said, volleyball. He said, but don't you want me to play softball? I said, I'd love for you to play softball. But... You can play volleyball in college. You don't know if you can play it in softball. Yeah. And I said, you have a passion for volleyball. You can see it the way you play, the joy that you play with. She said, so she, she, the next year, she, she played as a 10th grader. And then she said, uh, well, the pandemic canceled the season. We only played like four games or something. But, um, uh, and then she just became volleyball. And that's it. And she, you know, she's going to go to play college volleyball. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, but I, she, that's what she said. She said, you know, everyone thinks that you're so hard on us with sports because you played professionally. And I keep telling them, you know, you're the easiest person because you, we make the decision. Yeah. You back us 100% with yeah. our decision. I said, look, would I love to see you continue to play softball? Yeah, because I'm the coach and you're a good player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but your heart's with volleyball. Chase it, chase it, you yeah. know? That's a great lesson. Yeah. And really, life is about finding something you yeah. love to do and then try to find a way to make yeah. money doing it, right? Yeah. I, you know? But I, I encourage kids to play all sports. Yeah. You know, these kids that play one sport, they seem to get hurt a lot because they're using right. those same muscles over and over and over. Like, I, I, I know football because I played quarterback and defensive back. So I knew football helped me with being a point guard basketball. Yeah. I knew a point guard in basketball made me a better baseball player because of lateral movement. You know, playing infield, lateral movement, outfield, getting reads and, and, and stuff like, you know, how the defense was playing me, but how the, um, you know, the offense was going to attack me. Yeah. And, you know, that mentality made me a better baseball player. Because honest, John, I hated baseball with an absolute passion. I thought it was the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> I love I went to college to play basketball. Baseball was kind of an accident. Wow. And, uh, wow. Yeah, and that's here, why I asked who all those guys were. Like, the right fielder got hurt for the college team, yeah. the baseball team. And the coach kept coming to our basketball. He said, come play, come play. You know, you're a good player. We need you out in right field. Like, man, I ain't playing. Then he said, hey, we go to Florida for two weeks, spring break. I'm like, you got yourself a right fielder. <laughs> and then I just I clicked with yeah. the baseball guys yeah. a lot better. And I clicked with the, the basketball players yeah. in, in, in college. And because uh, I played against a lot of them in high school, and it was a blast. We were good too. I think we were, oh my God, I think we finished like 40 something and four or something. I mean, we, were, hey, we had a couple pitchers got drafted, our shortstop, second base, me, third baseman. We, we were good, man. We could hit. Well, I'll tell you, I think you should write another book. No. I think you should write another book. I don't have time. Yeah. Someone asked me, but. You got some great stories. Yeah, I like. I, I mean, the story what? about your retirement. Yeah, I, John, I, I want to tell you, I, I have been blessed. I tell my kids this, you know, like when I go home and then I have to leave to come back up here, they said, oh, Dad, when you got to go back to work? I said, work? I said, man, I ain't worked till your grandmother put me in that damn garden out there yeah. to weed all her damn plants. Yeah. I said, that's the last time I worked. Yeah. But, you know, we had to work through high school. We had jobs in the morning at a... Uh, card shop paper place. Yeah. You know, we had to mop the floors, clean the sidewalk, clean everything. And then the owner would come in, uh, you know, and do that. And then on the weekends, my brother and I would go to strawberry, strawberry field, pick strawberries for the local vendor. You know, it, yeah. you know, you, you know, those little green things, they come in, there's probably like yeah. six or seven. Yeah. 
We got uh, five cents for each one. Really? Thought we were rich, man. Nice. Yeah, Skull was only like 75 cents, so we thought we were in high <laughs> cotton. But yeah, we had to, we worked, and, and I told my kid, I said, let me tell you something, I've been blessed. I said, I haven't had a job since I was 18 years old. That's great. I have not worked a day in my life since 18. I said, I get to play baseball, I get to watch baseball and talk about baseball. I said, what else could you ask for? It's a great I'm life. I'm 61 years old. It's a great life. My wife, my wife won't let me retire though. I got, I was gonna, I, I was gonna retire like four years ago. She's like, no, you're not. You got two kids going to college. Your, your ass is going back. <laughs> I, whatever. But I'm like, can you retire from not working? It's a good point. It's a good point. How would I make that announcement at some point in my right, life? Right. Right. Exactly. And I just want to let you know that. I don't, do, I don't do a lot now, but I'm really going to do nothing now. I've never had a job, yeah. but I'm retiring. It's, That's been, great. it's been a great, great run. I've made some great, great friends in this game. And uh, I just just feel blessed every day that you can receive a paycheck from baseball. Yeah. It's, well, it's incredible. Listen, this has been fun. Oh, thanks, and, and I got to tell you, love the broadcast because it's like people are sitting at a bar yeah. talking with you about the game. And that's what it should be. It's, it's relaxed, it's casual, it's fun, good stories. Yeah, I, 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 I can't be that, you know, well, in, in, you know, 2017, he hit X amount of whatever with runners of choice vision, two outs against a righty who doesn't throw over 90. I don't give a crap about yeah. that. Team Mac's great about that, and yeah. I love it. And the guys I work with at ESPN were like, they say, you just talk. Yeah. You just give your opinion on what you see and, you know, Sometimes I get a little carried away with some of the stories and probably say things I shouldn't, but it's great though. It's great. Hey, it's fun. It is what it We're is. We're chilling, man. watching. Sixty-one. I can't change now, John. That's Too great. old. Well, John. Thanks, buddy. Thanks a lot yeah, for the time. I was thinking we we're going to do twenty minutes, and we did. I don't even know how long we went. It's great. Love the stories. Yep. Appreciate I, it. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. Keep up the good work on the yeah, broadcast. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot, John. Big one tonight. Oh yeah. <laughs>